Welcome to another car cast. So I guess this is officially a thing now because we've done more than one. I think so. It's so date night. It's date night again. Um, we have actually had date nights between this car cast and the last car cast. We yeah, just we have. Didn't car cast. True. Because the last time it was torrential rain, so it was so loud we couldn't actually car cast if we wanted right, to. Right, we got rained out on date night. It was kind of sad. Yeah, so this is date night do over. We're headed to the lake with the kayaks on top of the car, and uh, it's not raining this time. And so, yeah, we're going to. We're going to pretend that's the reason we didn't car cast. The other, the other reason was we were fighting, so it didn't work out. Yeah. We Let's alluded be transparent. To that. <laughs> we alluded to that in the last podcast. We tried, <laughs> we but tried. it didn't work. So, um, But we're back, and we like each other again. Yeah. And now we're car casting. <laughs> yeah, so every time there's not a podcast, y'all can all worry Everybody's about Everybody's going to know. <laughs> except you don't have to worry about it, because we're fine. Yeah. Fighting's part of life, right? Right. Just is. It's part of being in the re- arena. So, cool. So, um... This car cast thing. So last time I asked you a question, and okay. this time you uh, asked me a question. Yeah, you're also supposed to introduce us, the podcast. So I think that's just going to be your job. Okay. Because I just am always going to forget. So this is Last But Holding Hands podcast, car cast number two. Um, and I'm Amy, and this is Tim. And yeah, I do have a question for you. So um, one of the things that we're opposite on is you are a uh, cradle Catholic. And so. Um, Everybody kind of has their own faith story, and faith story, and I was kind of wondering, um, what was it like for you growing up as a Catholic? Were you like super into church? Did, um, you know, did you love it? Did you not like it? How how were you as a kid? How was I as a kid? In the faith, I <laughs> was just like I am now. I was hard headed <laughs> and stubborn and difficult to deal with, and nobody would could tell me what to do. And yes, I've had this verified by your mother. Yeah, so. <laughs> Yeah, so so maybe my mom can leave a comment of all the other things that I was, maybe not, because <laughs> she not. listens to the podcast. But yeah, so um, but but in in truth, that's kind of how it's kind of how I sort of you know came to the faith, and I think it's actually a little bit interesting. You know, we've talked a lot about temperaments, and I am you know the logical thinker, the rational. Um, you know, I'm red, so I'm sort of like you know logically controlling and you know, choleric is rational and like all these things, right? Like I'm supposed to be very like thoughtful about it. Like I'm a T, I'm a thinker, um, you know, these kinds of things. Um, and, and it's, you know, part of the, the wonder of God, I guess. And it's part of, you know, his humor that I haven't really, like, I didn't have my faith revealed to me that way. I'd be curious to know from the people who are listening if, like, anybody had, like, a rational faith experience. Because I feel like if anybody was going to have one, it would have been Tim. But, like, that's just not... Yeah. That's just not how it happened for me. Which I think, like I said, it's, it's a little bit of God's humor. And I think it's also because God knows me and knows what I need. But, so, when I was a kid, um, you know, I think people tried to appeal to my rationalness. Um, you know, went to CCD, uh, which... I don't even think it's a thing anymore. The confraternity of Christian doctrine. It was like a big fancy word for Sunday school for what kids. It, when you say people are trying to appeal, appeal to your rational, what do you mean by that? Or is that what you're about to get into? Yeah. So, oh, okay. so they, they gave me books to read and they tried to tell me about okay. God. Right. And they would tell me about the sacraments and they would tell me that the Eucharist is the real body of Christ. And they would tell me that God died on the, Jesus died on the cross for my mm-hmm. sins. And he would tell me that God is three persons, but and it's like, I knew all that stuff. I knew my prayers. Like I, I knew that stuff. You kind of knew all the facts. So yeah. for people that don't know what CCD is, it's what religious education. Yeah, it's religious education. Okay. So it's, it was kind of sacrament prep, um, as different years went by. So, you know, I, I did it 
my whole elementary school, I don't exactly remember when I started, but you kind of started in elementary school before your first communion. So I guess like around kindergarten, first grade. And then for me, that part of it sort of ended in eighth grade when I got confirmed. And, and it's sort of like on the years where there's sacraments and sacrament prep and in the years in between, it's just general sort of catechesis that's age appropriate. Um, the sacraments and, being like first communion and confirmation and things like that. Yeah. So, right. um, so yeah, so they kind of like gave me a book and they told me a bunch of facts about stuff. And I was just like, it was kind of take it or leave it. I mean, even if it was true, it wasn't very interesting. (laughs) Um, It just was kind of just was. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, so the way that the like schedule was oriented at the church I went to in Savannah, it was, um, there was mass and then there was CCD and then there was mass again. So you either went to mass first and then CCD or you went to CCD and then you went to mass. And thankfully for us, the um, church was only like a, a mile from my house. So, um, so when I would be extra irritating, um, you know, and extra stubborn and wouldn't want to go to mass, you know, my mom thought it was important for me to go to CCD to make sure I had my sacraments and stuff like that, which I appreciated. And so sometimes she would just give in and just take me home and she would go back to mass. And, um, and sometimes she would bribe me with a McDonald's hash brown to go to mass. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, like I think about parenting now and it's like, you know, before I had kids, I was like, there's just like, that is so crazy. Like who would do that? Like, why, why would they do that? It's like, now that I have kids, like I totally get it. It's oh, like bribery is a tool of the parents. Yeah, the it's, it's absolutely early on. <laughs> but what I think was really profound about it was that my mom didn't go home. My mom dropped me off and she went back to mass. Yeah. And that was like a thing that kind of, as I go through the abbreviated version of the story, cause again, we're headed to date night and this thing's going to end at some point. <laughs> but as I kind of work through the abbreviated part of the story, it's something that I didn't like, consciously observe and take note of but it's it was something that I think really affected me in a very profound way for just my appreciation of like it's just what you do like like this thing even though my mom's pretty quiet and I don't know that we ever really like talked deeply about the faith or anything like that when I was a kid like it was clearly important Mm -hmm. because she was going way out of her way and way above and beyond to like just demonstrate that it was important and, and I don't think because she was demonstrating to me that it was important I think because it's really important and she was just doing what, we, what was right right and so I was seeing I was taking advantage or I was being given the gift of seeing that this is important it's important enough to be inconvenienced that she would take you know? your whiny butt home and go back <laughs> yeah and, and that and that she would let me whine and complain and it was non-negotiable that it was going to be a thing in my life right but she would put up with me whining and complaining yeah and 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 still she went to church yeah and still I went to church (laughs) even whining and complaining and still she went to church with me whining and complaining Mm -hmm. right and it's like and that's like a thing and I think about that sometimes when I'm in mass and our kids are whining and complaining and I'm thinking you know it sure would be easier not to be here but it wouldn't be better right wouldn't be better for me wouldn't be better for them Mm -hmm. and I'm learning although sometimes it's painful I'm learning that it wouldn't be better for the people around me who are watching the kids why to complain either yeah and it wouldn't that be might better be another podcast even for the people who are a little bit irritated by it yeah because it's not better for me when i'm a little irritated by it a complete aside right right it's like it's better for me to like like to pay attention to this stuff and to be there and, and to be there with the kids right yeah and that's all that is a whole nother podcast i think but so so that was you know as a kid i kind of went through the the sacrament stuff and i learned stuff mm-hmm. and like i said I, I i learned about god and i knew some stuff and I knew church was important, at least to my mom, but I don't know that like, I don't know that it was all that interesting sure. or all that personal. Yeah. It was just kind of like there. So at what point, so obviously, you know, you're an active Catholic now and 
we share this faith with our children and everything like that, what was sort of the turning point for you in your faith where it became it was a pain in the butt thing to a wow, this is really my faith. This is something I'm taking charge of. Well, so we'll have to publish this. Make sure we publish this after the last podcast we recorded, which isn't published yet as of the recording of this podcast. I know podcast inception, right? But we'll have to do that because. Um, one of the things that we talked about in that last podcast is sort of like, how do you influence people? And it's somewhat with cognitive dissonance. And that's kind of what happened to me Okay. is that, so one day I was like in eighth grade. And so in eighth grade at my church, you sort of stop having this CCD thing okay. and there starts being opportunities for you to get involved in like youth groups. So there was junior CYM, which is the junior Catholic youth ministry, uh, which was for middle school. And then there was CYM, which is the Catholic youth ministry that was for high schoolers. And so there starts to be opportunities to participate in that stuff. I didn't participate a lot in junior CYM, um, but then in eighth grade, you sort of transition from one to the other. And in my eighth grade year, um, which was also my the year that I got confirmed, so I sort of was like leaving this CCD thing, and I was getting into um, the opportunity to do youth group. And you don't have to do it. There wasn't like any carrot at the end, like there is sacraments for CCD. So it's like a lot of people don't do it and stuff, and it's pretty small. But in the eighth grade. Um, you know, I got an opportunity and I don't remember exactly what happened. I don't remember if it was in a church bulletin or like a mailer or something in my house, but somehow I found out about this, uh, leadership retreat. Okay. This like youth leadership, this like a youth group leadership retreat. It's like come and be a youth group leader, go on this retreat, then be a youth group leader. Mm-hmm. And so I remember like, like reading about it and for some reason being interested in it. And it's not really, it wasn't like something I would have typically sort of done. Uh, but for whatever reason, it sort of caught my attention. It was a little bit interesting at that time. And so I remember, um, I don't really exactly remember what my mom said, but I remember when I asked her about it, she was kind of like, really? Like, is that something you want to do? And I was like, yeah, I think it is. And so she was like, sure, I'll sign you up. Be great. So I go and I do the retreat and I have a, I have a good time. It was fine. Uh, it was fun. Met some people, played some games, stay up too late, ate too many snacks, you know, all the, the typical, typical retreat things, <laughs> Yeah, typical youth group things that, that kids like that are fun, you know, that you do. And I'm sure we did some. God things. I honestly, at this point in my life, could not tell you what they were, but I'm assuming we did. Um, and I came home and I went on with my regular life. Sure. Like, I, like nothing had happened, nothing had changed. And that was a cool weekend and just whatever, moving on. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was, it was some Sunday in the future. I don't know if it was exactly the next Sunday or, or a couple Sundays after that, but you know, youth group was happening at that point. And I remember my mom asked me the question. She said, sir, are you going to go to youth group? And I was like, well, I wasn't really planning on it. And she plants this seed and I can't deal with cognitive dissonance. So I don't know if this was intentional or not, but she plants the seed. She goes, well, you know, you went on this leadership retreat. Don't you think there was like some expectation that you'd be a leader in the youth group? I love your mom. And I'm like, you got a great point. So I guess, I guess I will go. I'm a man of my word. I guess I will go. And so I started to go and it was, it was interesting and I met some interesting people, and specifically my the youth minister at the time. Uh, her name was Sherry Collins, oh, okay. uh, awesome lady, who uh, influenced a lot of people, I think, in the church. But but was there, and she met me and talked to me, and you know, I, w- I would come kind of here and there a little bit infrequently, and she would just send me emails from time to time. Yeah. Just how are you doing? You know, what's going on? Like whatever. And I always appreciated those emails because I wasn't really like, I hadn't really like formed a relationship with the youth group. So I didn't really have like friends. So nobody was calling me and I didn't even really know her that well. And she took the time to like, just 
ask about what's going on. It was never like a hard sell. It was never like come to youth group. It wasn't any of that. Just like, how are you doing? How's your life? What's what's going on? Sure. And I would answer emails from time to time. Sometimes it would take me a long time, whatever. And during this like sort of transitional time from middle school to high school, I also like something a little bit random sort of happened, which is for my birthday. And I don't remember which birthday. That's kind of bad, isn't it? But for my birthday one year. Do you know like what grade maybe? Can you pin it to anything else I'm, going on? I'm thinking it was definitely like early high school because okay. in my ninth grade year, I actually took a class ride. Like it influenced my school. But but so hmm. so sometime like around there for my birthday, I remember it was like, it wasn't quite my birthday. It was like maybe August. And I just told my mom kind of out of the blue, I sort of got this like urge. I said, you know, I think I want to learn how to play guitar. That's crazy that it was like random. Like you know, my, my mom sings, my sister sings like, you know, in the choir and stuff. So there's like music around, sure. but nobody in my immediate family plays an instrument. Right. There weren't like instruments in my house. Like there weren't pianos and things yeah. like in the house a lot or anything like that. So it was a little random, but I just remember kind of like having this feeling like, you know, I think I'm going to, you know, see if I could get a guitar. And maybe I think go, your guardian like, angel poked you. Maybe. <laughs> and I was like, so, you know, I'm going to go do this guitar thing and see what's up and then um so my mom was like well your birthday's coming up so why don't we go to the store and we'll get you a guitar for your birthday and so we did mm-hmm. and the guitar um it was an epiphone i still have it i love it uh <laughs> went there got it and i uh, came home was really excited about it opened up the case put in the, the vhs tape of this guy playing like how to teach you how to play country music awesome put in this vhs tape follow like three or four little tutorials how to hold a pick how to play three chords how to like strum the bass note and then do this little rhythm thing whatever and i was like all right i got this and then i go online back in the days of christianguitartabs.com and uh download some some third day songs okay and so you know christian music's pretty easy most of it's a few chords and so that afternoon my mom walks by and she goes was that you playing and i said yeah it was and, and i didn't realize at the time and i didn't realize for many years that me playing a song that afternoon that sounded like a song that i was able to sing to was like a pretty profound kind of thing like yeah. most people don't just pick up their guitar and do that right so clearly you had a gift yeah and, and i think of it truly as like a gift not in the sense of like a talent as in like somebody gave me a gift like god gave me the gift right um but so I, I let Miss Collins know that uh, still call her Miss Collins. Love Miss Collins. So, so I let Miss Collins know that um, that I was playing guitar and that was just one of the little check-in things, right? And she was like, "Oh, we really need somebody to play music for the youth group." And I was like, "Nope, not ready for that. Not ready." And she just stayed on me about it. Because you had just literally learned how to play. Yeah, I was like, "All right, right. yeah, I'm, I'm gonna need to figure this out." And so she stayed on me about it. not in a mean way, but just stayed on me, asked me, asked me, asked me, sure. stayed on me, stayed on me. Over what kind of time period? I'm just curious. I don't really know. It had to be pretty fast because I started playing pretty fast. Okay. And then I just she wore you day, down pretty quick. Yeah. One day <laughs> I just well I got I got pretty like comfortable with it pretty quick. Oh okay. And she wore me down. Um, <laughs> Go Miss Collins. Yeah. And then I started to just come to youth group and just play some worship music. Mm-hmm. And what was cool is around that same time uh, a young couple um, who aren't so young anymore nor am I but a young couple showed up and, and moved into moved it to the city and started coming to youth group named Chris and Brooke and uh, Brooke was a good singer and Chris was a good guitar player and we started and they had done a lot of worship music at Auburn um, in college and they kind of like knew something about it and they started to sort of like help me figure it out that's cool and we would start like I would go over to the house and and play music till way too late and like we started to like create a little bit of like a thing Mm -hmm. and what was cool and what I didn't realize until kind of now is that 
you know, most adults would have like said, Hey, come play with me. And they would have been in the front, Sure. but they always just pushed me to the front. Mm -hmm. They were always just supporting what I was doing. Yeah. Which was like a really cool, That's really, neat. really like thankful for that. So they just put me out in front and before we knew it, we were playing retreats. We were doing all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And you know, the thing that was profound about it is that I just went there out of obligation. I first went there out of obligation because my mom sort of like told me I had an obligation. I second went out of obligation because now Miss Collins needs me to play music. Right. And that obligation drew me into mm -hmm. having some experiences I never would have had. And so I'll never forget um, kind of where I first sort of like really understood this Jesus thing and understood this God thing and understood what it, what it feels like and what it means to have like a relationship was at a Youth 2000 retreat. The Gray Friars in New York came down and they did this Youth 2000 Year of the Jubilee thing. It's my first time at adoration. The very first thing they do at the retreat is they build this thing called a burning bush. It's this like wooden um, structure thing in the middle of the gym where we had the retreat. And they, they expose the Eucharist right there, adoration the whole time. Very cool. Um, but I remember like, like I, I played that whole retreat and I played more music than I'd ever played in a row. One time I ended up playing for two and a half hours during a healing procession that I'd never seen before. For my first time, saw people like, um, like, be slain by the spirit, saw people speaking in tongues, all these charisms I'd never seen, all this stuff. And it became really real for me. Yeah. And I was, and, and what's interesting is, is you would think that I, you know, and a lot of people, I, I have ended up learning a lot about apologetics again to sort of, and we're almost at the restaurant. So I'm, I'm going to kind of wrap this up a little bit kind of here, but, but I've ended up learning a lot about apologetics partially through my need to close my cognitive dissonance, right? Because once I started to feel these things and realize this Jesus thing and this Catholicism thing was a thing, then all of a sudden I started asking questions. Well, can I be Catholic and listen to this music? Can I be Catholic and do these things? Can I be Catholic and, and believe these things? But the thing was, and so I've ended up learning like, and, and having to reconcile rationally a lot of just things in my life. Mm -hmm. So I know that stuff. But the reason why it's can I be Catholic and do this rather than I want to do this and Catholicism doesn't fit for me is because those experiences, that experience of adoration with you 2000 and leading all those people an experience of playing in front of probably 15 or, or 1600 people. Um, you know, when I got to open up for uh, Chris Mulia um, at a retreat, like, like playing mass after mass after mass, like just, just being there without, really knowing or understanding or, or just, just simply being there because I had a job to do and God just profoundly moving me yeah, without me having to do anything. And it's, it's, that's the reason why I'm here. And that's the reason why I have to reconcile the world back to my faith mm -hmm. because, because it, it's absolutely real and true. There's no doubt in my mind about it. Not even a little bit. And there's, and it's not a, there's no doubt because I know all the answers to all of life's crazy questions. Cause I don't, and they're still crazy for me, mm -hmm. but I absolutely know it to be true because even when I didn't know anything, mm -hmm. God still showed up. Right. And he showed up in like a really like profound way. And then you start to think about things you start to piece it together and you start to realize that like, you know, this guitar playing is absolutely a gift. It's the reason why like I continue to play worship music and care about it so much is because it's like. I love playing music, but it's like absolutely a gift. Like, what is that for? What else is it for other than to give it back? And, you know, I think about like Miss Collins and like her profound, like influence in my life. Like, you know, I just kind of like randomly, like God at every moment took like a little opportunity to like blow my door, my heart open. You know, it's like, you know, my mom, like, like, you know, that 
that stupid little hash brown. It's like he, he took that as like an opportunity to blow it open. You know, it's like the, the retreat I went on for whatever reason and had no intention of doing anything else with was like a seed. And there's like all these yeah. little seeds of things that happen. Mm-hmm. And it's like, even when I'm sort of a, a little bit of an unwilling or, or probably not unwilling participant, because if I really didn't want it, God wouldn't like force me to do anything. Absolutely. But when I'm stubborn and hardheaded, which is the way I am, he knows that. And he knows what to do and he knows how to like to, to just take that little crack and like blow it open. And I think it's, you know, I'm really thankful for all the people who just like took the time to pay any attention. And I think it's part of the reason why, especially when we were early married, like well, we, I think we both felt, you know, cause your story has, involves a lot of this, you know, a lot of people as well, but it's like, I think we both felt a calling to like work with kids and stuff like that. Because I yeah. think about like what would have happened if like, if you know, like Chris would have started playing guitar and Brooke was a way better singer than I was in high school for sure. Probably still is. She has a beautiful voice. And it's like, what if they would have just like overtaken what I was starting to do? Sure. What if they would have, and with the best of intentions, just bulldozed me and didn't, didn't just support me and what I was doing, right? Like what Mm -hmm. would have been different? And so I think about all those little opportunities that I had that are all a little bit like weird, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, like, that's not the way that adults normally act. Right. And Mm -hmm. I'm thankful that they did that, but it's like, there's all this like stuff. There's all this like sort of coordination that has to happen. And it's like, you know, and and so it's like all that stuff is the reason why I have to rationalize the world back to my faith, because it's like, that stuff is absolutely real. Mm -hmm. And so what I think is crazy again, sort of like from the rational guy is like, I'm, I'm not Catholic. I'm not a Christian. I don't believe in God for any, um, you know, 12 point proof for any sort of like apologetics miracle, because I could write a book on the, on how to prove God exists or anything like that. Sure. It's like, and it's funny when sometimes I tell people that story because they're surprised by that. And I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised by it too, but the most meaningful things are the things that I can't explain. It's like when I'm standing there playing guitar and things happen or God uses that, or even just the idea of how he sort of drew me in with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and just the idea of like the way that I feel in the presence of the Eucharist, like you can't explain it. Sure. You know, and it's the unexplained, it's the illogical and the irrational. that's actually more meaningful to my story than any of the apologetics that I know. I think it's one of those things that like, if, if that other part of me, like if it weren't that way, if like, if the rest of it were completely illogical and irrational, mm-hmm. I don't think I could accept it. Sure. Cause I'm thankful that, you know, that it's that way. And it has to be that way, right? Because God created everything and he created it all in harmony and all within his plan. So it has to be that way. So of course it's that way. But, but that's definitely not the reason why, like I still hang around and why I do this um, and why I care so much about it. And I think that's also why I'm so passionate about it because it's like, it's, it's really real for me. Um, it's yeah. not intellectual or cerebral. It's very much just real. Yeah. Well, how do we wrap this up? Well, so it's I only got to high school, which is cool. And then I met Amy and then we got married and it was awesome. <laughs> Woohoo! Happily ever after. <laughs> yeah. Time to get some Thai food. Yeah. Let's go. All right.